Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner Khan. How can I remove hope from my sales strategy? Today on episode 590 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with the chief sales architect of Bulletproof Selling, Sean Rhodes. I'm going to ask Sean how you can use sales strategy to produce consistent revenue and much more. Stay with us to hear all the details. You can find out more about Sean along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Are you building your own business after a long career as an employed professional? Listen to our show, Going Solo, also found on our website, smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Sean Rhodes. Sean leveraged his former life as a war correspondent to become an international expert in how the best teams continuously improve pipelines and performance. He's a Tampa-based TEDx speaker and has worked studying teams in more than two dozen countries, some the most dangerous places on the planet, has been published in news outlets including Time, CNN, NBC, Forbes, The Wall Street Journal, and Inc. Sean is also a nationally syndicated columnist with the business journals and author of Bulletproof Selling, Systemizing Sales for the Battlefield of Business. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Pleasure to be here. Sean, tell me a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship. So I actually, uh, you heard a little bit about my experience in the military, and we'll talk about that as we begin to talk about how to sell better as an entrepreneur. But after I got out of the military, I became a civil service employee for the U.S. government. So imagine a college professor, like a tenured college professor that cannot be fired. All right, that's exactly the job that I had working on taxpayer dollars down here in Tampa, Florida. And the challenge with that for me is that I'm always looking for faster, better ways to get things done. And I'm sure we'll talk about how to, you know, <laughs> really that applies in the world of all entrepreneurs. Uh, but I realized that I was able to get my job to the point where I only had to work really a couple hours a week. And then I had to fill the rest of that time with something because as, an, as a civil service employee, you basically have to molest someone to get fired. And I realized I was not fulfilling my purpose that way. Like a lot of people, I know your listeners, David, that have corporate gigs where they think to themselves, I could be doing so much more with this. I've really got to take the chance on myself, on my own initiative and on my own assertiveness and get out there and try to create something in the world. And so uh, it was actually the U.S. government that forced me out as an entrepreneur in 2012. Uh, the U.S. Congress couldn't figure out what their budget was. And this happens every couple of years. Well, as punishment, as kind of like a stopgap, they send all of the civil service employees home to try to get all of the politicians to agree on the color of the sky. Well, as you and I know, David, politicians can't agree on the color of the sky. So I was sent home without a paycheck from what I thought was the most secure job in the world. And at that point, I just, you know, I thought to myself, I am not going to leave my fate or my family's quality of life in the hands of a bunch of people that can't agree on anything. So I'm going to start my own business. This is the best time as any. This was 2013. And it's been a wild ride for almost a decade learning what it actually takes to succeed as an entrepreneur. But that's the, the impetus, the origin story that got me out on my own. Sean, what did you know about running a business when you started yours? Next to nothing. So I didn't know the difference between an LLC or an S-Corp or how to sell or what to sell or who to sell it to. So I was really starting off uh, with you know, complete beginner's mind, which is actually what I ended up naming my company, <laughs> Shoshin Consulting, uh, totally about beginner's mind and had to learn it all the hard way, uh, basically making every mistake that I possibly could as fast as possible uh, until I eventually discovered that I was running out of money 
like a lot of entrepreneurs, the high failure rate, I believe, doesn't come from a lack of expertise. It comes from a lack of revenue. Uh, because if we can get a couple of people to begin paying us, we can learn as we go. But without getting a couple of gigs in the door so we can actually continue to pay the mortgage, uh, that failure rate is pretty high. And that's exactly the path that I was on before I discovered I had to begin doing something consistently instead of throwing stuff at the wall and just hoping some of it stuck. Mm -hmm. And how long was that time period from uh, the time you decided you were going to start your business until you realized, I got to get revenue in the door now? I was burning through my reserves. Like a lot of entrepreneurs, I liquidated all of the assets that I could to give myself a little bit of a cushion. So I took my entire retirement account, turned it into cash, took the big tax hit on that, and really was living off of that for about two to three years. Um, going to every networking meeting that I could, shaking every hand. Speaking was part of my business model. So I was out there speaking at every Rotary and Kiwanis and Lions Club and Elks Club. And I mean, you name it. I was speaking at so many of these civic organizations, David, they thought I was running for office in, in the Tampa Bay area because that's the only reason you would make that circuit. <laughs> but that's what I was told I needed to do. None of it was paying anything. And so this is probably about 2014, 2015. And I'd even spoken at TEDx. Um, which I thought would be a good feather in my hat to get me some gigs, but it didn't because it was like, hey, that's that's interesting, but what can you do for my business? And I didn't have an answer for that. And it's because I had never taken the time to really consider for myself or discuss with anyone, hey, what is the impact that I actually make in the people that I'm trying to sell to and the impact on their personal and professional lives? I didn't have those questions answered. So when I was selling, it was just, hey, I'm selling some consulting and some training and would you like to buy it? And as you well know, David, that's not a, a pitch that really works well on anybody. <laughs> no, no. So how did you figure out a particular niche that people wanted? So I asked myself, as I'm running out of money, you know, the revenue was very sporadic. It would come in very occasionally. And when it did, I had no way of tracking back what was the activity that generated that revenue. Because like a lot of entrepreneurs, I was doing a lot of things. I was networking. I was uh, writing stuff for online publication. I was standing up an online course. I was speaking everywhere that would have me. And when revenue did come in, it was like, oh, it was you know very occasional. And I had no way to be able to say, all right, how do I do more of that to get more revenue? So as I'm running out of my capital reserves, as the bills are due every month, facing basically bankruptcy, uh, foreclosure on my house, I asked myself, Sean, if you were going to consult yourself, like give yourself advice, pay you to actually treat your business better. What would you tell you to do first? And I realized my expertise was in building repeatable systems. That's the job that I had in the US military to travel the world studying these high performing military teams to be able to report out on what it was they were actually doing, keeping them alive on the battlefield so that other people could stay alive as well. And I looked at my own business and I said, all right, I've got to try something consistently. What is a five-step process that I can use to reach out to people and try to get a little bit of traction going in a sales conversation to learn more about their company to figure out, am I a good fit for what they're trying to achieve? Just a five-step process, very simple. And out of that, I made $50,000 just because I was doing something consistently over probably 10 to 12 clients. And I realized, shoot, it shouldn't be just a five-step process. I've learned a couple of things along the way. I need to iterate this. I need to make it a 10-step process. I need to involve more communication channels, make it omni-channel. We can talk about what that means and really begin to treat my business as a business rather than a hobby or a practice. Begin tracking things like leads, outbound dials, sales conversations, proposals out the door, things that you know business people in the sales world are taught to do from day one, but yet nobody's teaching entrepreneurs how to really do. So that was the space that I began to really play in, began to get 
even better and better results, eventually making multiple six figures inside of a single year, getting to do what I love for a living, which is really the best part. Right. So repeatable systems with a focus on the sales system. Why the sales system of all systems? Because there are a lot of systems in business. As I begin, oh, it's, yeah, you, systems for any part of the business, really. And plenty of people have written a lot of books on just business systems, right? What I realized was as I was bringing this into organizations and eventually getting Fortune 100 clients under my belt, that everybody was interested in the impact that systems could have, but they were more interested in how those systems could affect things that they were immediately held accountable to achieve. See, every business person, you know, if you're consulting businesses, and I know not everyone in your listenership is part of that, but hey, a lot of them are, everybody's interested in efficiency. But what they're really interested in is how can I be more efficient to get more dollars through the door? Because with those dollars, I can stave off a lot of bad things. I can buy more uh, equipment for my warehouse. I can invest in more real estate. I can do a lot of things if I've got that top line revenue. So the more and more business people I talked to and was able to consult with, the more I heard, Sean, we're interested in systems, but how can you bring more dollars in the door first? And I realized hearing that a couple of times, there was a pattern there, which any person that's a systems thinker recognizes patterns. I said, okay, this is where I need to really dive into. And so I focused all of my effort and all of my team's effort on building sales systems from, I don't know anything about my market. I don't know anything about building a pipeline to I can be an enterprise level salesperson as a single individual in my company running this out of ACRM in a home office. How do I compete with the big boys and the big girls in the larger companies that are also doing this, but in a way that they can't even hold a candle to? So that's really been our effort over this last year in bulletproof selling. Right. So what you're drilling down into is the commonality that all sales have. Yes. All sales have a few commonalities, and it starts with actually understanding who you're selling to what their needs are, and then understanding, all right, how can I remove hope from my sales strategy? And this is something that's so important. We even branded the inside cover of our book with these words, hope is not a sales strategy. And so many salespeople hope that they'll get the next deal, hope that they'll remember that the last conversation they had the next time they talked to that prospect. But most entrepreneurs are hoping that they succeed as well. And if we're going to live this dream that we have of creating something that's really ours, that we get to own, we have to remove hope from that. We have to rely more on repeatable systems, on metrics that we can track and see, on things that we can look at. And you know that, that cold sweat that we all wake up in as entrepreneurs every once in a while in the middle of the night, well, I can look at my dashboard, I can look at my systems and know that I may not be able to do anything at 3 a.m., but the machine is running. Progress is being made. And before I had systems, I had no way to know, is that article that I'm writing really going to make an impact enough for somebody to pick up the phone? Did that last conversation or that last proposal I sent out, what's the, what's the you know, statistical likelihood that thing's even going to close and turn into revenue so that I can do what I love for a living? Without systems, it's a game of hope. With systems, it can be a game of certainty. So let, let's talk about those systems. And one of the things that is jumping to my mind as I ask this question is, especially for consultants and coaches, it's often a very long sales cycle. It's very relationship driven. As we know, it takes a long time to develop relationships. Sometimes you have a great relationship with somebody, but they don't need what you're selling. However, they may be in a position to refer you to somebody who needs what you're selling. And still, till you have the first conversation, they get to know you, like you, trust you, believe that you care about their success, that can take a long time. So what, what are some of the basic steps? So I'd say, first off, you've got to get this stuff out of your head. Because if you're trying to manage more than two or three of these relationships, you need something to store the information in. 
Now, there are these beautiful things that are relatively inexpensive, but they're custom made for this purpose, and they're called CRMs, Customer Relationship Management Systems. And I'm not an advocate of any single one, but I advise you the first thing to do as an entrepreneur, if you're going to invest money in something, instead of more courses or more books, you know, one, invest in David, get what he has, and two, get yourself a CRM. Because this is where all of these systems can live. It's where your notes can live so that you can be present with your clients and your prospects instead of trying to remember last time we talked was three months ago. How many kids did they have? What was their favorite color? Where'd they go to school? All that stuff can be in the CRM. So once you get a CRM stood up, here are a couple of things that we track to begin those long-term relationship sales cycles. The first thing is what is the anniversary? In that, what was the first day that you met this person or when did they see you speak or when did they get introduced to you from somebody else? Keep that anniversary in mind because you're looking for reasons to reach out to this person in a non-creepy way without harassing them or hounding them. So one is the anniversary. So that gives you a one day a year when you've got an excuse to reach out. Remember when we got to meet at that conference in Las Vegas? Wasn't that a wild time? Something like that, some kind of a message. So that's the first thing. And again, that's in a CRM. That's a date-specific task that can just leave your head once you set it. Let the, let the system handle that. Second thing you want to begin tracking is, am I connected to this person online? Do I have their direct email address, their direct phone number? Do I have their LinkedIn connection request made? Have I you know connected with them on LinkedIn? That's the next thing that you can begin doing to start to develop that long sales cycle. Third thing to do, And again, this can be in a CRM as well. Set yourself a Google alert on them, on their company, and even on their industry. If they're a small enough company that they'd likely never make the news, well, set a Google alert for their industry. So that way, each day of the week or each week, you can get a whole slew of custom-made content delivered to your inbox that gives you an excuse to reach out to this person and add value to their lives. Once you've done those three things and you get them out of your head into a CRM so that that is basically automated. It just brings the task in front of you on a given day of the week. You know what to go do. You're 99% ahead of most of the consultants and coaches out there because most of them, I'm going to be honest with you, David, are hoping they remember to do these things and reach out. Well, I didn't want to rely on hope on a battlefield. I don't want to do it in my business. So with those three things, beautiful way to get started. After that, it's looking for ways to add value to their lives. That could be, I read this online about your company or your industry. It brought to mind the conversation you and I had at that event we met at where you were concerned with A, B, and C and the results that you were trying to achieve. Here's an article that I found. Here's a video that I produced. Hopefully this gets you a little closer. And then the last thing that you can really do to systemize success and again, do much more than any other coach or consultant is doing is own the next step of the conversation. Too many people will send a message and then hope that they get a response back. And what this causes, and you and I have chatted about this, David, this feast or famine revenue cycle inside of a business where I get a lot of business in the door, but I'm not marketing, I'm not doing anything in sales. And all of a sudden I'm looking at an empty calendar. That's a scary place for an entrepreneur that has regularly uh, due bills. You know, the mortgage comes at the same time every month around here. So if you own the next step of the conversation and that whether they respond to you or not, you've got a task to reach out via phone, email, LinkedIn, direct mail, whatever that looks like. You can always be in touch with them, whether they get the time to respond to you or not. So you continue to add value. And um, if you can do all of those things, wow. I mean, 99.9%, you're in the first percentile of all salespeople, especially coaches and consultants. Sean, what's an example of something that you can do that means you're owning the next step in the conversation? So after any conversation or any message that you sent, so think about it a couple of different ways. There's direct conversation where you have an actual, you know, interchange with someone on the phone uh, via text, 
or online on LinkedIn Messenger. That's a great conversation to have. And of course, you're getting good information out of that. But make sure in your CRM, on your spreadsheet, on a notebook, on a calendar, you've got a next step. Reach back out to Jim. Send Jim that information that I promised him and outline what that is so you don't forget on whatever day it is that you told Jim you were going to get that info over. Okay, so that's if you're in a direct conversation. If it's an indirect conversation, like you sent an email, you sent a message, you sent a, a letter, a thank you card, something like that, where there wasn't a direct interchange, the next step, make sure that you follow up with Sally with a note on LinkedIn. Uh, follow up with Sally with an email. Give Sally a call uh, two weeks after that last thing that you did and make that live somewhere so it gets back in front of you the day that it needs to happen. Now, I don't like clogging my Google Calendar with all of these things because it would really add up quickly. I mean, I opened my CRM up today and there's probably 20 things I've got to get done. I don't want all that showing up on my Google Calendar. So a CRM allows me to keep that in one place where during my kind of sales outreach time, which I block off every day, it's a couple of hours every day to run my business, I can get into my CRM, look at the tasks I have due, knock them out, boom, 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 set next steps if there isn't already one there. And I can close it all down knowing that I've done everything I possibly can to move my business forward, to get more people um, that I can help and make an impact in their lives and in their businesses. So why can I close my computer down? I can hang out with my family without worrying about all of the unsent emails or the unmade phone calls or the unread messages. It all can be handled outside of your head. Again, removing hope from your sales strategy. Yeah. Sean, I wonder if you might have a, a, an example or a story of a consultant or coach that has had this feast or famine and has employed this system in their business to try to even things out and keep the pipeline full. Oh, absolutely. I can give you myself as an example, but can point to a couple of others as well that have gotten great results with this. The idea of getting out of feast or famine means that you have to take the initiative on your sales. So a lot of consultants and coaches will build their entire business on referral. And we all know that a referral is a lot easier to convert than a cold prospect. And it's great to get referrals. I love getting them every single day. I take them if I could get nothing else. Just send me referrals. Dump truck them into my driveway, please. However, that's not always a great way to run a business because you are hoping that that referral gets back to you. You're hoping that after that talk you gave at the Chamber of Commerce or whatever marketing you're doing, that somebody takes the time to actually give you a call or send you an email with an inquiry. How can we work together? That's a lot of hope that gets inserted into a sales process. And no enterprise level salesperson that is making a nice base plus commission is allowed to do that much hoping. What they do instead is they take the initiative. So what that looks like for us in our business as coaches and consultants is it's identifying those people that you do want to do business with, that whose company values you align with, or they're in the same geography as you. If you prefer to do business closer to home, all the things that you know would make a really great client, find those people, identify them, and then go on the hunt, go pursuing them instead of just hoping that they discover you one day or they stumble across your article on LinkedIn and are so impressed that they have to pick up the phone and give you a call and send you a fat check. I love it when that happens, but I can't count on it for my business because that's where feast or famine comes from. Instead, being able to target people to know that if I reach out to 100 people over the course of a year, I might end up in 30 conversations. And of those 30 conversations, 15 proposals will be produced. Of those 15 proposals, seven will close. And my average proposal rate, I'll just throw an example out there, is $50,000. So that many proposals at that proposal rate, I know I can predict after doing this for a little while what the actual revenue of my business is going to be. Instead of hoping that these people enter my world because I'm doing all this passive marketing, and we can talk about exactly what that is if you want, but 
I prefer much more active selling and active marketing and making it fun, making it a game. So it's something that I do look forward to instead of thinking, oh, I have more sales calls to make. How am I going to get, you know, or I have to get a strong drink in me first, which is how it was in the early days. But, you know, we can work on gamifying this and making it fun so that when you are reaching out, you're enjoying yourself. You have goals on every single call or every email or every interchange so that you know specifically what you're after. When you get done with that call or that email exchange, you can then leave in full integrity and in good conscience with yourself. Sean, once you had the aha moment in your own business that you had a, you were onto a system that you, where you saw some repeatability, how long did it take until you felt that you had created some sustainability in your business? The sustainability came when I realized I was already spinning ahead of all of my competitors. And I'll give your listeners a really easy way to do this. If you want to get ahead of all your competition, here's what to do. Throughout your week, as you encounter challenges, and we all do every single day as entrepreneurs, this is going to be very easy for you to do. Whether it's you make a sales call and they give you an objection or you can't reach the right person or you have trouble finding a CRM or logging into your email account. I mean, you think of all of the challenges we have to solve as business owners every single week. If you track those, maybe two or three a day, at the end of your week, look at them and say, how do I prevent those problems from ever crossing my desk again? And that might look like storing your password somewhere. There's a lot of platforms that do that. It might look like researching, how do you turn around objections? If you're hitting the same objection every single time, I'm not interested, I don't have money, I'm not the right person. A lot of objections we could hit as coaches and consultants. If you begin tracking those and really building in ways to make sure they never appear in front of you again, because you've got systems behind them, you've got responses, you've got solutions, you no longer have to hope that you remember all of the great sales training you've had or the books that you've read or all of the great lessons you've gotten off of David's podcasts. It can be something that comes in front of you in your business as just part of what you do. When I began realizing that I was building that every week, because it's a process myself and my team now undergo every single week as a business, I don't have competition in my market anymore, David, because nobody's taking the time to solve these things permanently. They're hoping that they remember what they did last time that might've worked. And last time might've been five years ago. Good luck with that, sir. (laughs) I'd rather have something in front of me in my business that says, this occurs, this is my response. And if it doesn't work, I rework the response until it does. So it's a way to really build in systems, almost like you're franchising your model, whether you're a coach or a consultant. Think about building a franchise. What would you have to begin doing to make that happen? You'd have to build systems. Well, the beauty of these systems, David, the real emotional benefit is that it allows me to be more present in my conversations, whether I'm with a prospect that I'd like to make into a client or I'm with a client who's paid me good money to make an impact in their life or their business. My systems handle everything that got me there. It allows me to be really in the moment and be innovative, come up with solutions that I wouldn't be able to if I was thinking, gosh, what is the last conversation I had with this person? What am I doing next? Mm -mm. Let systems handle that. You be fully present by letting hope remove from your sales strategy, replace it with certainty. Right. The other thing about systems is it really simplifies things for you. And um, for people that have spent a long time as an employee in the first part of their career, it can be a little bit of a counterintuitive mindset. But once you get to the point where you're focusing on creating simplicity and systems and processes, you will find that your business and your life are a whole lot better off. Oh, yeah. I mean, and to to build basic ones, you know, to figure out what should be built into a system. I just ask myself after every segment of activity, 
after every sales call or every client conversation or every time I write an article for a publication online, I always ask, am I likely to do this again? And if I am, what's the five things I need to remember to do in what order? Or 10 things. If it's a really complicated thing, then you could really build it out, you know, to a complicated system. But if you ask yourself, you know, how do I stop reinventing the wheel? Or if I never want to recreate a wheel again, how do I capture what I'm doing in a way that I can just look at that checklist, at that project, at that task sheet and say, hey, that's how I did it last time. It worked well. Follow the steps. You'd be surprised how much of your energy is freed up to really put all of yourself into whatever it is you are focusing on. And if you start with a relatively small number of steps, it'll be easier to start identifying what the what the process actually is. Sure. Yeah. Whether it's finding new people to sell to or selling to them or delivering. I even have systems around delivering the consulting that I do, David, because I've learned over the course of a couple of years what makes a really good project workflow for my clients. So I just execute that system with every new client. And again, I don't have to think about the 30 things that might need to happen in a certain order. I just do them one by one. Makes it really easy to do a really great job. Right. Which again, the whole point of this is to ease your business, ease your life. Yeah. Sean, congratulations on everything that you have built in your own business, how you um, have developed the system that you now use with clients. If someone wants to go deeper with what you've shared today or get in touch with you, what would be the best place for them to do that? Yeah, I'd send them straight over to bulletproof-selling.com or bulletproof-selling.com. There we have a five-minute sales assessment that's very easy and quick for anybody to go through. Our book, Bulletproof Selling, came out this year, and we have a weekly podcast where I get to interview brilliant people like you, David, all about the sales systems that work in their lives. So if you're interested in hearing what the best of the best are doing, check out Bulletproof Selling. Sounds great. Well, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time today to join us. My guest today has been Chief Sales Architect with Bulletproof Selling, Sean Rhodes. Thank you again, Sean, for joining us. Absolutely, David. Thanks. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how you can use sales strategy to produce consistent revenue and much more. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.